Oh yeah. So welcome back to our core values series. We have looked already at the first two. Uh, the one, the Bible as our sole authority. And then the gospel for all last week. And this week we will look at the, the third one, unity in our fellowship. And we will do some Old Testament gold mining, really, to learn something about this fellowship. And I just read for you what's written there at the back, unity in our fellowship. Our differing cultures are an amazing taste of heaven, but can also cause friction. We endeavor to live together with peace, patience, and kindness, seeking and giving forgiveness as quickly as possible. So just now I mentioned this gold mining, because in this book, the Bible, many treasures are just there at the surface. You read it and you think, wow, it's a treasure. But there are many other treasures that are a bit hidden. You need to dig for it. You need to research almost. And um, that's hard work, but it's very rewarding. And I'm not suggesting that it's going to be hard work to sit through this sermon. I'm just encouraging you to stay focused as we will look at the book of Exodus. And I'm trying to uncover some gold there. And I just hope that we will all enjoy and appreciate that as we look in the book of Exodus. So just stay focused. We will look at the tabernacle. I'm not sure whether we are all familiar with this thing, this tabernacle. If you're not familiar with it, don't worry. Uh, I'll try to keep it simple. Um, just stay focused, basically. So this tabernacle was the house of God back in the old days. The Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, they were in the desert as God's people. and. God gave them this, this, this tabernacle. It was the house of God, God dwelling among his people. But it is actually something very significant for us as well. Because in Hebrews, when we read there, the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear that this tabernacle and its furniture and the, the altar there and, and all these things and all the sacrifices upon that altar, they mean something. They are symbolic for the present age, says Hebrews 9 verse 9. They are a, a copy of the things in heaven, Hebrews 9 23. And they are a shadow of the reality that we have now after Christ came. So I believe this, this tabernacle is actually a picture of Jesus. And in certain aspects also of the church, which is the house of God, says First Timothy. So I give you the outline first for this for this sermon to help you to follow through. I'll give a bit of context and then we will zoom in. And we look at the boards and the sockets and then the bars that were connecting those. I don't think it's so just to give it away first, the boards 
um, they represent our standing in Christ. Just now when you paid attention, uh, when we were singing, we sang a lot about who we are in Christ. The sockets is our foundation. That is what we stand on. It's the work of Christ. And the bars is what connects us. The connection with our brothers and sisters. So that is the fellowship. So let's start in Exodus chapter 6. And we will look at the context first. Exodus chapter 6. And verse 2. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. With my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they live as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So here we have the covenant in verse 4 and 5 that God made with Abraham. And God says all the time, I will, I will, I will do all these things. And then he delivers them out of Egypt. He opens the sea for them so that they can cross through the Red Sea. And he gives them food from heaven, the manna, and they drink from the rock. He really cares for them. And then we continue reading in chapter 19, Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4. Verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you indeed obey or listen to my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and said before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. So we read eagle's wings. That was the plan. You see the picture, this eagle roaming, uh, flying through the air very freely and that eagle carrying the small eagle. That, that, that is the picture that God uses. And he said, just listen to my voice. A voice that had said, I will, I will, 
I will do all these things and keep my covenant. And that was a covenant made to Abraham of pure grace. That was, that was the idea. But what did the Israelites reply? Chapter 7, uh, verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and said before them all the, these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. That was a huge mistake they are making here. Since they left Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, if you read through these chapters, chapters, they had been grumbling and complaining. And by now they should have known themselves. And they should have said, Lord, if not for your mercy, we cannot last for a day. We need your grace desperately. But instead of that, they said, whatever the Lord says, we will do. And then Moses reports those words back to God. And then the atmosphere changes completely. Verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. And if you read the remainder of the chapter, you have thunder and lightning, a very loud trumpet blast, smoke, trembling. A very different picture. And then God speaks. Chapter 20. Ten commandments. And in the Bible, the number 10 is the number of responsibility. Our responsibility towards God. Ten commandments. Just keep that in mind for a while. Because this number 10 will reoccur. And then chapter 21 through 23. We're not going to read all this, of course. But it has a lot of laws and commandments and all these things. And then in chapter 24, the people repeat the same words that they spoke so rashly in chapter 19. They repeat it twice, actually. Verse 3. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Verse 7. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we will be obedient. And then the covenant is confirmed in this chapter. But how different from those eagle's wings? Altogether different. Now it is law. Ten commandments. And they said they could do it. And God knew they couldn't do it. They would never be able to do it. As we read in Galatians, by the work of the law, no one will be justified. But then, and that is very beautiful, chapter 25, God gives them something else. He gives instructions for building the tabernacle. Verse 8, chapter 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. So God in his grace, although his people place themselves on, you know, the law and the Ten Commandments, God in his grace wants to dwell in their midst. And he gives them something that in every detail speaks of Christ. The one 
who would, in the future, fulfill the Ten Commandments, the whole law, completely, the law that they nor we could keep, and then seal a new covenant in his own blood. So that is the context, and let's now zoom in to the architecture of this tabernacle. So that is Exodus 26, verse 15. You can read along, but it is also read for us. And thou shalt make boards from the tabernacle of shittim wood, standing up. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. Two tenons shall there be in one board, set in order one against another. Thus shalt thou make for all the boards of the tabernacle. And thou shalt make the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards on the south side, southward. And thou shalt make forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenons, and two sockets under another board for his two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, there shall be twenty boards, and there are forty sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And for the sides of the tabernacle westward, thou shalt make six boards, and two boards shalt thou make for the corners of the tabernacle in the two sides, and they shall be coupled together beneath, and they shall be coupled together above the head of it unto one ring, and they shall be eight boards, and their sockets of silver, sixteen sockets, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle, for the two sides westward. And the middle bar in the midst of the board shall reach from end to end. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold, and make their rings of gold for places for the bars. And thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof which was shown thee in the mount. dismantled the tabernacle a bit and removed all the you know all those all those things so that we have just the framework the boards the sockets and the bars so let's look at the boards Ephesians 2 verse 22 it tells us in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit so in him that is in Christ, you are being built together a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we have the whole Trinity here. In Him, together, for God, by the Spirit. So you see those boards, 
10 cubits tall, again, 10, responsibility, 10 cubits, it's about 5 meters, and that board is you, that board is me. We could never live up to the Ten Commandments, we could never meet our responsibilities, but Christ came and he lived up to it, and we stand in him. That is why we stand, 10 cubits tall. And all the 48 boards were the same length. It's not that some were taller and some were shorter, not even, you know, those two corner boards that had a special function by, you know, holding the whole thing together, that they were taller. They had all the same length, and they all stood on their foundation, the two sockets of silver. So in the church, we are all equal, no matter how gifted you are, or how much time you invest in, in this church, or whether you have a, a role in holding the whole thing together. No matter what position you hold in daily life, in society, in the church we are all equal, precious children of God. And we all stand on the same foundation. The foundation of silver. We will look at that later. But the boards first, they were made of wood. Acacia wood. Wood from the Sinai desert. And that speaks of our humanity. We are people from this earth, rooted in the ground. But we are not made of acacia trees. At least I'm not aware of anyone among you who grew up in the desert. Did anybody grow up in the desert? But we are slightly different wood. We have Malaysian wood, trees from Malaysia. We have the Johannesburg bone at South Africa. We have a guest breeding pine from China and the baobab tree from Nigeria and the maple tree, of course, from Canada and the evergreens from Finland and the Korean fir and then the super trees from Singapore and the eucalyptus tree from Australia and the mangrove tree from the Philippines and the Kentucky coffee tree I didn't know this tree existed but interesting picture made by Janet Davis I have a feeling that in Kentucky everybody everybody's name is Davis <laughs> so this, this is probably I forgot somebody but um, so sorry for that but this is about the wood that we are made of. And many of us are actually uprooted and then transported as timber to some other country, to this country. So we have timber from England, grown in Britain, I can tell some. <laughs> and then we have some legal wood from Indonesia. And then there is this one little country in the world that came up with the idea to use wood to make shoes, so that is the Netherlands. Very different, all these cultures and countries and, and people together. And it's beautiful. But as, as the core value says, it is a foretaste of heaven. 
but we are also very different. Not just because of our different cultures, but we are imperfect. We have twists and knots and cracks and sometimes that causes friction. And some types of wood, they catch fire quite easily and then you have a lot of smoke and stuff and it can be a challenge. Some wood is really strong and sturdy and other types, they bend and then they crack. And we get disappointed, frustrated. That's the nature of wood. We are human. We fail. But thank God, these boards. So these are all the different trees. But these boards, they were <coughs> standing on silver sockets. Where did the silver come from? Let's turn to chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, when you take the census of the people, so when you count the people of Israel, then each shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord, when you number them, that there be no plague among them, when you number them. Each one who is numbered in the census shall give this half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. So that is money. The shekel is 20 geras. Half a shekel as an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered in the census from 20 years old and upwards shall give the Lord's offering. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than the half shekel when you give the Lord's offering to make atonement for your lives. You shall take the atonement money from the people of Israel and shall give it to the service of the tent of meeting, that it may bring the people of Israel to remembrance before the Lord so as to make atonement for their lives. So here we have the answer. The silver was atonement money. It was a price paid. The people of Israel had to pay each one of them for their lives. Now let me straight away put it very clearly. This is not suggesting that we pay for our own salvation. Not at all. This half a shekel is ten geras. So again the number ten, responsibility. And everybody had to pay it, whether rich or poor. But it was a very small amount of money. It's about ten ringgit. So a rich man could never boast like, so I'm, I'm paying for my salvation, not at all. And a poor man would never be so poor as not to be able to pay for it. It was a symbolic amount of money, a small sum, and it was actually an acknowledgement on the part of the Israelites of how he stood in God's presence, in need of grace and forgiveness. An acknowledgement that a price had to be paid for his life. That is what silver means. Atonement. A price needs to be paid. Just remember all the songs that we sang just now. Jesus who paid our ransom. Let's turn to chapter 38 because there we see how this silver was turned into the silver sockets. 
chapter 38, verse 25. The silver from those of the congregation who were recorded was a hundred shekels, a hundred talents, and 1,775 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary, at Bika ahead, that is half a shekel, for the shekel of the sanctuary. For everyone who was listed in the records from 20 years old and upward, for 603,550 men. The hundred talents of silver were for casting the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil. A hundred bases for the hundred talents, a talent, a base. <coughs> so let's do some maths here. We have 48 boards times two sockets is 96 sockets. Then there were four pillars between the holy place and the holy of holies, another four sockets. So we have 100 sockets of silver, a talent, a socket. And those 600,000 people, they paid for it, each one half a shekel. So 300,000 shekels for 100 talents, that is 3,000 shekels for one talent. Now, that's interesting. The weight of a shekel is, is taken to be about 10 grams. Researchers have, uh, and, and archaeologists who have found you know, the weights of a, of a shekel, they came up with something between 10 and 14 grams. That means one talent of silver is about 30 kg, 30 to 42, some, somewhere in between. In other words, God had his people drag some 4,000 kg of silver through that desert for 40 years to teach me and you a lesson. And we're going to do an object lesson. Um, Trent, would you mind to help me for a while? Because I need a strong guy. Because I, I brought two talents of silver actually. Or can you come over here? Do I need to stretch? So this is the one talent. Can you, can you take that one? So this is about one talent. Too bad it's not silver, but it is as heavy. So we put it here. Just, yeah, next next to each other. Thanks a lot. Afterwards, you can come and try. I don't know why. This is from a gym, actually. There's seriously people that use this to. Uh, to exercise. <laughs> I'm out of breath already. <laughs> but that is that is really the lesson that some years ago when I saw this, it warmed my heart, it went all the way down my spine. Because what it teaches is this I am that board. And I stand on two sockets of silver, eighty kg that happens to be about my body weight. That means Christ is telling me, I paid for you, every gram of it, body, soul, and spirit. And now, rest. Stand on that. Just stand. God didn't tell Moses, you know, you, you make this silver bar, and then suspend those boards from there, and then hang on to it as if our salvation was like 
you just hang on it till you feel it in your muscles. He said, put it on the floor, 80 kg, stand on it, rest. Feel the weight of those sockets. Afterwards, just come and try it. Whole body weight in silver. But that is salvation. That is resting in Christ. What is it, those two sockets of silver? Romans 4, 25. Jesus was delivered up for our transgression, that is the one socket, and raised up for our justification, that is the other socket. The death of Christ and his resurrection, these are the two sockets that we stand on. What a solid foundation. And then those boards, they had two tenants. See, the, the boards were made of wood, and there were two tenants. The word in Hebrew is, is the word yad, which means hand. Two little hands. These are the hands of faith. Yeah? So there I stand. And my two hands of faith, I just lower them into those sockets, and they had a place for those tenants to fit in, and that is what faith is. Just hold fast to that. And then actually, those two hands, they were invisible after that. It's not so much, you know, the strength and the quality of my faith. It's just two little hands by which we grip, hold fast to that foundation, and then we stand, and then we rest. And because of that foundation, God could overlay us with gold. Chapter 26, Exodus 26, verse 29. You shall overlay the boards with gold. Jesus was raised for our justification. And this gold speaks of divine righteousness in which we stand before God. The wood no longer visible. Not even the two tenants, our little hands of faith, are visible. All we see, and all that God sees, is the silver, the price that was paid, and the gold, divine righteousness. And so we stand in Christ, ten cubits tall. And each board had its own two sockets. That is very important. Remember last week I said you can walk into through that door, into the church, and not be part of the church in a spiritual sense. You cannot borrow somebody else's sockets. Each one of us has to stand on its own two sockets. We have to believe for ourselves and trust Christ for ourselves. And as redeemed people together, we form this house of God. Although we stand on our own sockets, we are not just standing alone. I mean, it's not, those two are a bit alone, but that is just to, to, to show what it, what it was like. But of course the house was joined. We are not standing alone. Ephesians 2, 22 again, the verse that we had just now, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And that brings me to my last point, the bars. 
The boards were overlaid with gold and had golden rings, and there were five bars connecting the boards. And it's a bit difficult to translate the Hebrew. I'm not at all an expert in Hebrew, but it seems that different translations put it slightly differently, and it's not totally clear what in the middle of the board means in Exodus 26, verse 28. But I take it that there were four visible bars, as we saw in the, in the video clip just now, and one <coughs> invisible bar passing through the center of the boards from end to end. So what is it that holds us together as a church? There are many answers to that, but let me just suggest this from Acts chapter 2, and this is just a suggestion, it's not like doctrine or the, the only explanation. But I'm suggesting what we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, bar number one, and the fellowship, bar number two, the breaking of bread, that is the Lord's Supper, bar number three, and finally, the prayers. These are the four visible bars that hold us together as a church. The apostles' teaching, the Bible as our sole authority, that is what holds us together. We are not blown away with whatever doctrine and then fall apart. We have the Bible. And that holds us together. And then we have fellowship. A Christian, ideally, is not somebody on his own. You know, I'm saved, I'm standing on my socket, and that's it. You belong somewhere. That is the ideal. You belong in a local church you have fellowship and the local church is not like you know club membership i go there like i'm a member and they have a swimming pool when i feel like it i go and swim and if i don't feel like it i'm staying away the church is not like that it's family you belong i'm not saying you are married to the church of course you are free to come and and, and to leave and if the Lord leads you somewhere else, then of course you follow the Lord. But still, it's good to see those four bars connecting. We are a family. We belong to each other. And that comes with responsibilities and with blessings. And we are there for each other. We have fellowship. We are being built together, as Ephesians 2.22 said, for whom? For God. It is for God. And then the breaking of bread, and next time when we have that, the Lord's Supper, just look your brother your sister in the eyes as you pass the bread, pass the cup. Look each other in the eyes and say, Christ died for you and for me. He paid every gram of your soul, body, and spirit. And then prayer. We care for each other and we pray for each other. And that is actually a whole core value on its own, and I think Sam will speak on that soon, so we have a whole separate sermon on that. And then finally, that invisible bar running from end to end through all the boards, what is it? What could it be? Remember again, Ephesians 2.22, we are being built together by the Spirit. So let, let's read from Ephesians 4, 
to close with Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to remain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There you have it. The unity of the Spirit, invisibly connecting all those boards. The bond of peace, invisibly holding us together. And then see those words that he uses, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. I must say, after about five weeks, you've been all very nice to us, to, to Michelle and myself, very nice. So far. <laughs> Why do I say so far? Well, I cannot promise that I'm going to be always nice to you. So, well, you'll see. But the thing is, we are good. We are human. We fail. May I encourage you, next time, when you feel like you want to roll your eyes or say something nasty, or give up on that particular brother, or just ignore that particular sister. Think this, just think in your mind, in your heart. Dear brother, dear sister, dear child of God, Jesus died for you. He paid for every gram of your soul, body and spirit. God clothed you in the righteousness Christ. I can see that you're made of a very strange type of wood, but so am I. And I choose to just see the silver and to just see the gold. I choose to forgive. I choose to love you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this wonderful object lesson that you have given your people back in the old days a whole tabernacle to drag through this desert for 40 years, 4,000 kilos of silver and all the rest to teach us something, to impress, impress on our hearts that you, Lord Jesus, paid with your life, with your blood every single gram of our body, soul, and spirit. We are redeemed people. Help us every day to stand on that firm foundation and to enjoy the joy of it. To know that we are clothed in your righteousness. It's gold that you see. And help us as brothers and sisters to look at each other like that. When we experience friction, frustration, when we realize that we are made of wood, help us to see that silver 
on which we stand and on which our brothers and sisters stand. And to see that gold, to see the price you were willing to pay for your precious child, and then to reach out to each other, to hold fast, to be family for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.